0: This is the Indiana Deer News Podcast, your number one resource for anything and everything that has to do with the wild deer herd in Indiana. On this episode, we're blessed to be joined by Sandra Jensen, the director of the NRC's Division of Hearings. Today we're going to discuss the comings and goings of the NRC, public comments, and how those are handled, and just anything and everything that is Natural Resource Commission involved. That and so much more on this episode of the Indiana Deer News Podcast. All right, we are blessed to have on the episode uh, Sandra Jensen. Today, And we are going to be discussing kind of all things, a brief overview of the NRC, a lot of their operations, and what you can do right now, those of you listening, to uh, voice your opinion on some things that may or may not be impacting you in the deer hunting world or other avenues of the outdoors that you love. So, um, Sandra, thank you so much for joining today. It uh, means a lot to me, and I'm sure it does the listeners as well. Well,
1: thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm happy to do it. Um, Just hope that I... Can give some good information and uh, help everybody out a little bit.
0: Yeah, so let's let's just kind of start with a brief overview. Just very briefly, like introduce yourself, who you are, and how you're connected to the NRC, if you will.
1: Okay, um, I am. My title actually is the director of the Natural Resources Commission's Division of Hearings. I have been effectively doing the same type of work within the Division of Hearing since 2004. I was, uh, from 2004 to 2014, I was identified as a program director. I was promoted to the director's position in 2014. Um, I am an attorney. Um, I did at one time, for a very short little window of time between 2000 and 2001, I actually served as legal counsel for the Department of Natural Resources um but uh that was a kind of a short-lived thing and then I came back as one of their um, as the program director and in that role I actually my working title is an administrative law judge so kind of involved in a lot of things for the department for the uh well for the department and for the natural resources commission but uh predominantly those things are to provide administrative review which is of a legal review process that very infrequently involves hunters or anglers. Um, We provide all of the logistical support, administrative support, legal counsel for the Natural Resources Commission. And we are responsible for uh, working through the Natural Resources Commission's responsibility to adopt all administrative rules for DNR. So those are kind of the big three things that we do. Um, I do still handle a full caseload as an administrative law judge, and I still serve as a hearing officer for unrule adoptions. And uh, we were talking prior to actually going going on live the recording that, you know, I actually enjoy getting out to do those hearing officer uh, public hearings and so forth, just to talk to people and see how what we're doing is impacting things. So. Um, I'll stop rambling about me, um, but that's kind of an overview of what I do and and what my role is here.
0: Awesome. So you're you're kind of the one that makes sure the NRC is operating legally, in essence, right?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. In in large part, yes. Um, we're responsible for all those mundane things, like making certain that the notices for public meetings are are uh, out there where they need to be, and the public meeting law requirements are all met and things mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, that's that's what we do.
0: Interesting. Um, So for those that perhaps don't know, now those who are tuning into the podcast for maybe the third or fourth time, you've heard me talk about the NRC and you know what it is, but if you could just give them just a little bit of background or let's break it down. Um, When did the NRC, I guess, come into existence? And we don't need to go all the way back, but just very briefly, how long has it been around?
1: Um, Some type of a commission has been around since the early 1900s, but in its Current form, um, yeah. I had to. I have to say this, Ty, just because I had to put that in the written notes that I sent you. Simply, because, mm-hmm. just, simply because I, I found it quite funny when I was doing my research for another project that I found that it actually does go back that far. Um, but the current configuration of the Natural Resources Commission and its membership. Well, is is pretty much been set since
2: 1965.
1: Okay. Um, in terms of the fact that there's been uh, since that time there have been 12 members. Um, the membership's been pretty much, um, the 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 appointing of the membership has been pretty much by the same process since that time. The NRC went through a um, It's what they call a sunset audit, but it was basically an overview or a complete audit review of the functionality of the Natural Resources Commission in conjunction with the operations of the Department of Natural Resources. Mm -hmm. That happened back in 1989, and between 1989 and 1990, the uh, operations of the Natural Resources Commission in conjunction with the DNR were refined a little bit and more appropriately defined as to what the Department of Natural Resources does and what the Natural Resources Commission does. So there was, there was kind of a shift in some responsibilities in the early 1990s, mm-hmm. but the overall makeup of the commission has been the same since around 1965.
0: So just to touch on, and we'll go off script just very briefly, you know, that defined kind of the differences between the NRC and the DNR and their roles and such. Is there a way to express to the viewers kind of just those in two very brief overviews what the DNR is responsible for and what the NRC is responsible for and how those join?
1: Um, yeah, I can't. I, I can speak more to the things that the NRC, that the commission. Sure. You'll, and I want to say now, your 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 viewers, your listeners are going to hear me refer to the Natural Resources Commission as both the commission and the NRC. It's the same thing. Gotcha. I just tend to use both terms, just so I'm not confusing anyone. Yeah. Um, the, essentially, the, the DNR is responsible for, and I'm going to put this in very broad terms, all of, the, all of its own day-to-day operations and decision-making. A lot of what the DNR does, it has to do with permitting. Mm-hmm. And that, again, I mean, outside of selling licenses and so forth to hunters and anglers a lot of that permitting responsibility is really not something that would be applicable to the hunters and the, and the, and the anglers that are out there
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so in that respect those day-to-day decisions um and day-to-day uh, even enforcement actions that they might take of course some of that might have something to do with anglers and 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 hunters but that decision-making responsibility is all held by the Department of Natural Resources. The NRC, back in the early 90s, became primarily an appeal entity for the Department of Natural Resources. Mm-hmm. Um, we, the, the commission maintains authority for more politically sensitive things. Um, The commission has the only authority to do eminent domain where that's actually statutorily allowed, and I can't say in the years that I've worked there um, that that's ever been used. I don't believe it ever has. Um, The department used to have its own authority to promulgate rules, and um, in the early 1990s, all of that responsibility was taken away from the department and given to the commission. Um, so the only thing that the department now has in terms of rulemaking authority is to adopt emergency rules for, you know, a variety of things that they may have that need to do. But all rulemaking authority was given to the commission at that point.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um, again, we serve in that administrative review function. So when the department, say, acts upon its day-to-day decision-making authority and maybe issues a, a permit to someone... And again, this isn't so much in the hunting and and, uh, fishing field, but if a permit or a license is issued, the Natural Resources Commission, through its division hearings, actually provides a trial type or that type of a venue. Um, We sit as judges in that kind of a scenario. So in, in that scenario, we are not aligned and we are not acting in a collaborative function with staff from the Department of Natural Resources. We wear a totally different hat in wow. that realm. On the other hand, as a hearing officer, when we're working on rules, that is a highly, highly collaborative process, and we work hand-in-hand with the department to get those rules to be what they need to be and at the same time meet all of the statutory requirements that, that they have to go through. So we wear a couple of hats there.
0: Yes, thank you, and, yeah. and I'm sure that helps the view, the listeners. Um understand it a little bit more. I think this is something that is going to be very important for many people to just understand the depths of the rulemaking process and how it works and everything like that. So thank you for that. Um, moving along, so during those board hearings for, uh, I guess let's just back up one bit. Who serves on the board and how do they get selected or appointed to serve?
1: The, currently the commission is made up of six, um, ex-officio members that are um, agency heads or other um, proxies of agencies, what well, we have obviously the Department of Natural Resources Director, the head of the Department of Transportation, the head of the Department of Environmental Management, and the head of the Department of Tourism Development are all members of the commission by statute. We also have, as um, a member of the commission by statute, or designated by statute, is the head of the Academy of Sciences. Okay. Now oftentimes the president of the Academy of Sciences does not serve directly. He typically or he or she typically appoints a proxy for that position. Um, and that all of these agency, all of those agency heads are allowed to appoint a proxy as opposed to attending in person. Um, And it's kind of half and half split between whether it's actually the agency had themselves that show up or whether they have a proxy in that position. Um, But then the sixth of those is actually the chair of the Natural Resources Advisory Council. Um, Those six are set by statute, and then the other six are governor's appointees.
0: Okay. And how long do those appointees serve?
1: I believe – Don't hold me to this, but I believe they are on um, what they're supposed to be on rotating four-year terms. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and they've gotten a little out of rotation, I believe, but um, we're trying to get them back into a rotating kind of a situation.
2: Sure.
1: But the the statute specifies that, and it's either it's either four or six years, and I'm wanting to say it's four. How? Excuse
0: me. how, How you're fine? How often do does the board? necessitate or is there a need for meetings during the year or is there a minimum that they have to meet
1: there is a minimum they're required to have four meetings a year they routinely in january schedule six meetings um they just set them and that way they're they're on the books um we have in some years had need to cancel them simply because we didn't have enough on the agenda Mm -hmm. Um, but they do, schedule, they do schedule six meetings. Um, their meetings are usually in January, March, May, July, September, and November, just basically every other month. And they are required to have a meeting in January, and like I said, they are required to have four in a year, um, but we almost always have six. We have here in, in some recent years, it seems like March and November get a little bit slow, so I think we've canceled one or the other of those for the last couple of years. But uh, usually, there's plenty of work for them to do.
0: And those are next one. Oh, sorry. What, go ahead.
1: I, I was getting I was getting ready to say just in the event anyone's really, really, truly interested, the dates for the upcoming 2020 meetings are July 21st, September 15th, and November 17th.
0: All right, and those are all open <clears throat> to the public, correct?
1: Yes, they are. And usually within the. The week or two prior to the meeting dates, the agenda is posted online along with all of the uh, supporting materials. So if there's something that's going to be presented, and just a good example for the listeners of this particular podcast, um, If there is a final adoption or there's even preliminary adoption on a hunting and fishing rule, um, all of the supporting material, copies of any documents that would be presented to the commission at that meeting, all of that is available off of the agenda from the website.
0: Okay. And I will have the uh, website link and everything in the show notes for those that are listening, just like I did last time. Um, now, I do have one question. So I know there's two public comment meetings coming up. Those are different than an actual – one of those six, correct? Because there's a July 29th and a July 30th meeting. Am I am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yes, you are. the The thing that's different about those, and it is it is kind of a point of confusion with some people. Those public hearings that are, that will be held on the 29th and 30th, the commission members will not be there. Okay. Um, the people that will be at those public hearings will be the commission's division of hearing staff. My I will be there. Um, and the other, actually the other three staff members for the division of hearings will also be there. We actually are doing those a little differently. Um, this, this go around, we scheduled the public hearing for the fisheries rule package and the public hearing for the wildlife rules package on the same day at the same facility, but in different rooms. Okay. Okay. We, we always hold those public hearings separate. They're two separate rule packages, so we're required to hold those separately. But hoping that we could maybe provide a little more convenience to the anglers and, and, and hunters. Typically there's some overlap, so we thought, well, maybe we can do this in a way that people can simply go from one public hearing to the other and get all their comments in on one day instead of having to take up two different days to come to two different public hearings. So we've pulled all of our staff out of the office and we will all be out there um, for those meetings. But what those meetings are for, um, to be the most effective is for the individuals that are coming to actually have have maybe read the rules um, or the proposed rules to understand what their concerns are Because our role at those public hearings is to take public input. It's not really, a lot of times the crowds are so big that we don't have an opportunity to do a lot of question and answer back and forth. Mm -hmm. So we tend to take a lot of comment from the public and that kind of, it's much better if they are, if they're already educated about what the rule is that's been proposed and so that they can actually voice what their concerns are about it, or voice the fact that they love it, uh, which is always what we want to hear. Um, usually at those public hearings, there uh, the Division of Fish and Wildlife from the Department, usually they have people there who can, in the background, maybe answer questions or clarify things. Uh, but we tend, as hearing officers, to be more interested in taking the public's comments at those meetings. And of course, as as I noted, I'm a lawyer. I'm not. I'm not a wildlife biologist. Um, frequently, I will tell people at those public hearings, and anyone who's actually attended ones probably heard me say this. You don't want me to answer that question because I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, so, in that respect, it's not really so much a question and answer session um, as it is, you know, come, have have read the rule, come. And feel free to tell us whatever you want to tell us about that rule. If you hate it, if you love it, um, we, we definitely want to hear it.
0: That's interesting to know because even myself, I hadn't attended one of the public hearings yet, so that was interesting because I'm thinking about coming to one of these just to kind of experience it and share with the uh, listeners kind of just the overall Experience and that's interesting to note. So if anybody out there is listening and is thinking about going and voicing your opinion, it's not so much a informational, educational moment for the NRC to express the rules. It's actually your chance to tell the NRC your thoughts. Correct?
1: Absolutely. It, it, it works for us much better that way. We love to have public input. That's one thing that the commission has always, um, I get, I always focused on with with us in the division of hearings is they like transparency. Um, there is nothing that they love more than to know that people are interested and that people are listening and that they are offering offering their thoughts about it. So, um, yeah, we, we very much appreciate that. And, um, and we have, and I, I know probably you're going to get to this, but there we have other ways that people can voice their opinions besides mm-hmm. coming to A public hearing obviously I know some folks are very very concerned about the COVID-19 and you know not wanting to come out and put themselves into a room full of people uh, that sort of thing and so I don't want to get us off script or anything or off of where you were going but you know there are other ways that they can voice their opinion without actually coming out and and being concerned about exposing themselves in that regard too so
0: go ahead you can explain that at this time that's great
1: Okay. No, that yeah, that's fine. I just yeah, I didn't know where you were going, and I didn't want to overstep or or take us where you weren't ready to go yet. Um, we actually within the within the NRC, and I think Ty, you said that you were going to post the the link to the website. Yes. Correct? Yes. Okay. So I won't bother reading it because it's a little bit long. The one thing, the only thing I'll say about the website address is. A lot of the folks that are listening today, a lot of hunters and anglers are very, very, very familiar with the website for the Department of Natural Resources. That is not the website that I'm talking about. The Natural Resources Commission has its own website. So if you're going to the DNR's website looking for this, you won't find it there. So, you know, go to Ty's page and, and get this, this correct link. But there is a place on there, you'll see in a variety of places on our website about a link to comment on a rule. Um, The page that I think I've provided will um, go directly to that rulemaking, what we call a rulemaking docket. On that site, there is a link and you can simply click on that link, it says comment on this rule, you click that link and it'll walk you through We need your name. We need some basic information as far as maybe your city and state or county and state where you live. And then you can put your comment in there. Uh, But there is a separate link for every rule that we have pending um, in the proposal process at the moment. So you can offer comments that way without leaving your home. You can do it with your phone. You can do it however you want to log on. You can also send written comments. Or, well, right now you can't deliver them. Um, generally speaking, when the government center is open, we we uh, hand delivery of comments is, is okay too at this address. Um, and I don't know Ty if you were going to put the address on your page as well. Um, that, but but we do take written comments by regular mail if you're not uh, if you're not tech savvy or, or not really interested in doing the online set up you can also send them in Mm -hmm. to our to our regular mailing address and we will get them um it doesn't really matter to us whether we receive them at a public hearing or whether we receive them in writing um they carry the same weight regardless so it's not going to be you know you you shouldn't feel as though well i'm going to do this on this online form and they're going to get ignored because they're just part of a hundred others um i've had rules and I'm not, I'm not meaning to brag, I, but I want everyone to understand. We do read these.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've had fisheries proposal or fish or wildlife proposals, fishery proposals before where we've received over, over 2000 comments. I've read them all and I, and I always will because we have really good stuff that comes out of these public comments. So I will read them every one. So they're not going to get lost anywhere, so it's, it doesn't really matter to us which way we receive the comments. They're going to get considered the same.
0: Backing up for just one moment. So if, I, if you come or if a listener decides to actually come to one of the hearings, um, the, mm-hmm. tw- the 29th or the 30th, is, is it important? Should they have their thoughts written to turn in as well, or is, is it pretty a sure thing that if you go, you're going to get a chance to speak?
1: We, I mean, unless I have, well, in the, well, what, um, I've been doing public hearings since 2004. I'm dating Mm -hmm. myself badly. Um, but I, I have never turned away a person who wanted to make a comment. Okay. I have stayed until the crowd was gone. And sometimes I know I, I think there have been times where We've maybe had a controversial rule on, uh, on a proposal, and I, I'm not sure that I wasn't at a public hearing site until 10 o'clock in the evening because we mm-hmm. always do these in the evening time you know, to give people an opportunity to get there after work. Yeah. Um, we know that there's a lot of interest in this particular type of a rule, so we, we do those usually in the evening, and I know there have been times that I haven't left the facility until 10 um that I don't think there's anything that's really receiving a lot of public comment on the proposals that we have now. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't anticipate that for these. Um, but and again, these are gonna go a little bit slower because we're doing the social distancing and all of that and obviously having to keep up with all of the local rules with regard to, you know, are we are face coverings gonna be required, what are we gonna be dealing with and, and we're trying to stay on top of all of that as we go. Um, so these are probably going to go a little bit slower, but, um, we'll, we'll get everybody in. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I'm sure you guys will communicate some of the guidelines for anybody attending the 29th or 30th, but I would just say love them or hate them plan on bringing a mask just to be safe. Probably.
1: (laughs) Well, that would probably be good just across the board. I know staff will be required to wear them. Yeah. Um, as things stand, we don't, neither one of these are in Marion County. I don't know if the counties where these are located have implemented, face covering requirements um, at this point or if they do in between, but we will be we will be doing everything we can to comply with all of the requirements that are in place at that time. So yeah, if you're going to come, please try to be aware of what might be in place. Um, if face coverings are required and, and you're not in a position to you haven't brought anything with you, we probably won't have masks there, but we'll do everything we can to make certain that you still are allowed to do your comment, whether it's hand you a piece of paper and maybe a pencil and let you write it down or something, Mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll work with folks if there's a problem.
0: Yeah. And just for those listening, I know I went over this in the last episode, the 29th at 6 PM at Mound State Park, the wildlife rules hearings will happen at the pavilion. And then the 30th at 6 PM at McCormick's uh, Creek State Park and the wildlife public hearings is listed as being in the Oak room um, for those listening. And that'll also be on the link and described on the NRC's website as well. Um, for those of you navigating the website really quick, not to not to go off topic here, but uh, Sandra brought it up, and I wanted to be clear. If you go to the uh, rulemaking docket page that she described, and you just scroll all the way to the bottom, it's going to list... There's uh, eight different rule descriptions down below at this time, and the wildlife amendments is the second one, and that's the rule that may or may not impact the listeners. That's the one that has the air guns for firearm seasons, which was discussed last episode. Um, So you can view the rule. You can comment on the rule. Very simple, easy way to uh, express your opinion there, and it sounds like um, they are taken very seriously, and I know uh, Amanda stressed that. Joe has stressed that. And now Sandra, um, the the ALJ for the NRC, has expressed that every single comment and opinion is taken seriously and read. um, So let's kind of just describe the process. So once those public hearings happen, Sandra, then the next meeting will occur. And is that when the NRC kind of hears about the public input for the first time? Or are they provided these comments in preparation for their night where they have a meeting or day where they have a meeting?
1: These, yeah, our rules actually, and it, this is applicable to any of our rules, um, there's there's a lot goes into them, obviously, prior to the public hearings that they've already actually been considered by the commission um, on what we refer to as preliminary adoption. I think preliminary adoption for the fish for the fisheries rule and the and the wildlife rule um, took place early this year, if I remember correctly. I can't, I don't remember possibly even late last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So the commission members have already seen these rule packages once, and they've authorized them to go forward. That's wh- that's how we get to this point. They have to authorize us to even move forward with these rules mm-hmm. before we get to this point. So they've already seen the rule packages and have had, the, the public actually has an opportunity during that preliminary adoption process to offer input. And sometimes through that process, some of the rule proposals that initially are thought of um, are possibly even pulled out before they even move forward. I don't recall that that happened with the wildlife rule this time, but I believe it did happen with the fisheries rule this time. Um, the Um, At this stage in the game, though, after the public hearings are completed, the hearing officer will prepare a full report. Mm -hmm. Uh, That report obviously contains all of the legalistic stuff that we have to get in there, but it also includes, as an attachment, every public comment that we receive. So those public comments, whether they're received and summarized from a public hearing or whether they're actually from the online form or however we receive them, the commission members get a copy of every one of them. They're all attached to that report. Um, That report, again, prepared by the hearing officer when the commission meets the next time. I mean, with these being the end of July, these would probably – can't guarantee it, but these would probably be considered by the commission in September Mm -hmm. at the September meeting, and that report prepared by the hearing officer would be posted with the agenda online a couple of weeks prior to the meeting. The commission members would receive it two or three weeks before the meeting, so they have an opportunity to review it, and then they will consider it um, on the public hearing officer's recommendations at. Then at that meeting, which, mm-hmm. like I said, I anticipate would be September. And then after that, there are still some other legal hoops that we have to go through to get it finalized. The attorney general's office has to approve and make certain that we've dotted all of our I's and crossed all of our T's statutorily. Mm-hmm. And then the governor's office gets the final say as to whether or not the rule will go forward. Gotcha. So there are, there are a lot more steps. Well, I wouldn't say a lot more steps, but there are some more steps after the public hearings. Again, I am sorry for that, um, but the, uh, the um, you know, and, and the public hearing or the uh, commission meetings are open, so obviously if there are individuals that um, have voiced an opinion or, or even individuals who haven't voiced an opinion who see something in the report that they're concerned about, um, see something in the report that, yes, we really are glad that you're recommending this way, you know, those uh, all of the commission meetings are open to the public. So again, it's not that Chairman Pointer is going to recognize maybe everybody yeah. to offer input, but even though the even though commissions are not required to re- take public comment during a meeting, um, typically speaking, um, Chairman Pointer tries to be. Um, kind of open about that and allow people to offer input even during the commission meeting or be recognized during the commission meeting if he feels like it's important and needs to be. So, um, that again, that's his discretion always, but I think transparency and public input is just important to the commission. So, that's something that he has tried to do within time constraints, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then, have has in your years? I just had a question pop into my head now. So, like, say the NRC has a meeting, public hearings have occurred. They push a rule forward. Have you ever seen mm-hmm. anything get denied after the NRC's recommendation by the governor or the legislators or?
2: The
1: I don't think I've ever had anything that came from the governor's office as far as a denial. Mm-hmm. I have. We have had occasions where the Attorney General's Office would question. Uh, they're, they're Typically, the Attorney General's Office is reviewing the rule proposal, obviously to make certain that we've met all of our statutory requirements, but they also are looking at it to determine whether or not we actually have the authority to adopt the rule in the first place because we can only adopt rules that we have been given authority by the legislature to adopt. Mm-hmm. So if we don't have legal authority to adopt them, then obviously the, the attorney general's office is going to question us about that. Mm-hmm. We have had some little hiccups here and there where we've either missed a step or um, most frequently it's been a situation where we actually completed the step, but we just failed to get it in the, into the attorney general's office packet when we sent it. Most of the time, these things can be resolved. But um, I can't really think of one where either the attorney general's office or the governor's office has actually kicked it back to us and rejected it outright. Mm -hmm. I have had situations where based upon um, all of the input that comes in, you know, the rule is proposed and. All of the input at the end of the line, um, the recommendation of the hearing officer sometimes is to go, is either to not go forward with a rule.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and, and sometimes that's a little different maybe than what the department would like to have the recommendation be. But I have, I have had that situation. And um, so there are times that, and a lot of times that's based on the public input that we receive. So, you know, there are times that the rules as proposed don't go forward exactly as they were proposed. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's a misconception in a lot of people's minds that once the rule's been proposed and put out there, that it's just a done deal. And that's, that's not the case at all. Um, So just be aware of that. But typically speaking, to answer your question directly, typically speaking, we don't have too much of a problem from the Attorney General's office or the Governor's office. They're more looking towards things in a legal perspective, and I'm thankful that I have had staff to teach me and staff to work with me that we, we try not to make mistakes, so we try not to have that happen. Um, but the NRC, if there's going to be a rule that was proposed that doesn't go forward, it typically happens at that final adoption stage with the commission.
0: Gotcha. gotcha. I'm just very encouraged, and hopefully the listeners are as well, to just hear kind of how big of a role the public comments play in it. Uh, you 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 obviously get you hear all kinds of different things on online and at at stores and mm-hmm. stuff and just hunters in general sometimes like to express that they don't get heard they don't have their voice and such but that really isn't the case if you choose to comment it will be part of it i mean it, as sandra said it's literally put in the actual uh proposal correct you said back to the nrc once you develop the report every single comment got add gets added to that correct
1: right and yeah. and, and i will say and i, w- I would just kind of like to add this too and i know this is something that I guess from my perspective, it kind of goes without saying. Unfortunately, I think on both sides, whether you are a proponent of hunting or whether you are an opponent of hunting, I think that the one thing that people just really do need to understand across the board is that these rules are not popularity contests. And I I don't put it that way to be flipped or to to sound like I'm not being serious, but the the Department of Natural Resources and the Natural Resources Commission take wildlife management very seriously. And so these rules are designed both to obviously promote quality wildlife management, but also to provide hunters with opportunities that are reasonable and make sense in the context of managing wildlife properly. So we typically will get, and I I will say that we we get this on both sides, um, just simply comments that say, you know, we support this, please do this. um, Or we'll get petitions that are in support and they may have a hundred names on them. um, Just that that simply say, we like this. Mm -hmm. And those are great. And we like to know that people are in favor or they're opposed. But what is really, really helpful for us at the end of the day is the comment that says, we really like this, this is a great thing, and here's why. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes with um, different types of equipment, you know, trying to encourage children to take up hunting sports, um, different types of equipment matter. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's great for us to hear that so that we can elaborate. As a hearing officer, I can elaborate on behalf of the people who are offering the, offering the comments that um, these are the reasons why this is a great thing. And obviously the flip side of that is true as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we do hear from opponents of, of hunting that, you know, they simply don't like it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, that's, that's the equivalent of those who support it, but then we will also get those well thought out comments from people who oppose this particular thing for, you know, any number of reasons that may be very valid, but it's that explanation that's really helpful to us.
0: And I can't stress that to listeners enough. It's more than just saying yes or no to something. You guys genuinely want to care and know why. Substantiate your reasonings. Um, Every time somebody has an opinion, there's a reason behind it. It's not, you know, you'd rather get a hundred comments instead of a hundred thousand comments. If those hundred comments are well thought out and explain to you guys why they hold the stance that they have.
1: You probably just said that a whole lot better than I, than I did. Thank you. <laughs> um, that's absolutely, that's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and I think we get very used to, um, society doesn't help people express their opinions in, substantial terms anymore you know you got to have you only have 100 characters to express an opinion on a lot of platforms nowadays and it doesn't actually assist people in expressing that so um, thank you for touching on that I think that's important because I have a feeling and hopefully a lot of listeners now maybe engage in this process more than they would have prior to hearing this and that's you know the biggest thing the biggest goal behind this podcast is just to educate and inform uh, deer hunters more to get involved know who to reach out to know the websites um, get in touch with you know, Amanda and her staff, the NRC, uh, Joe, and, and and hopefully the next deer biologist that's going to be taking over for him. Uh, that's just what we want want to encourage here. And uh, we want to thank you, Sandra, for for coming on. I won't take up any more of your time unless, is there anything that you'd like to in closing? Is there anything that you feel like maybe the listeners would want to know about? Or or is there something that you're like, oh, I wish I would have touched on?
1: Not, not that I can think of. I think I kind of I I added my little two cents in along the way. So no, just thank you all very much. And, uh, I appreciate the opportunity.
0: So that was the interview that I had with, uh, Sandra Jensen, the ALJ who works in conjunction with the NRC. Um, just a valuable interview. And I hope and pray that you as the listener, um, were able to absorb some of that. Uh, I know, you know, being an attorney, she speaks very, uh, Uh, specific and and almost technical, if you will, but I'm going to kind of put up some brief notes and and items in the show comments and which those will show up on the website or whatever your streaming device is as well. You'll have links to the NRC website. Um, You can go there, comment and things of that nature, but you can also kind of read through a few of the summarized answers uh, that Sandra had sent me earlier to some of our posed questions. I really want to hammer home, home two different topics, and one was towards the end of the interview, we kind of touched on it, and that is, you know, don't just express whether you are for or against a, a rule. Um, however, if that is all you want to do, by all means, please do it. Definitely voice your opinion. Voicing your opinion, yay or nay, is better than not voicing your opinion, Um However, I know from, from talking to Sandra then after the interview even, and she expressed it in the interview, substantiate your opinion. You know, yes, I'm for this. I, I encourage the adoption of this rule. And here is why. And outline your reasons. Um, and make those reasons, you know, have some depth and some substance to them. Uh, your opinion is derived from something. Um and 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 not to downplay it but it should be more than just an emotional reaction there should be some reasons behind that begin to peel that back and explain to them this is why i'm against it this is why i'm for it or maybe this is why i'm against it now as it is right now but i'm for it if this changes or vice versa those are or those are the the comments that they're looking for and, and it means a lot um uh, Sandra did want me to touch on if you are using the link. Um, you know, if you're, you're fearful of coming in in person, it could be a long uh, public hearing depending on how many people show up because they're going to have to limit entrances and exits, and you may not be able to go in until a certain party leaves, and vice versa. Um, if you use the comment link on the website, there is a limit number of characters. I, I think it's funny I touched on that in the interview, but there is a limit. it is more than 100 characters. It's a pretty substantial amount. However, if you're doing it, I, I recommend that you write it in word and then you can copy and paste it and if, if it's too much if you if, if your comments are too long, They do say to please reach out to them, and they will work out a way to get them the comments in another capacity. Maybe that could be just mailing them in. Maybe somebody will – maybe they'll allow uh, email. I don't know what that is. There may be some laws and regulations as to exactly how they can collect the uh, comments on rules. But she did stress that if you are having trouble, you have too many characters, contact them. And there's links on there to contact them and everything. Uh, but, But definitely use your voice, you know. Use your opinion. Express your thoughts. Express your opinion because that's how the recommendation back to the NRC is going to be derived. And there have been times where throughout the rule adoption period where preliminarily a rule is 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 pushed through or recommended to go to these public hearings by the NRC. Then at these public hearings, opinions are heard, comments are read, and they change the recommendation back to the NRC. So, your voice is very important. They definitely, definitely take it into consideration. Um, and I think that's the parting thing that I just want to stress. So this has been a little bit of a shorter episode, uh, but hopefully the interview was, was uh, useful to you and you kind of a little bit more so understand what the NRC is and what their role is in everything and how it then trickles down and impacts you as a hunter. Um, I encourage you, if you don't know, or you still have some questions or you want to see some clarity, read the show comments, go to the NRC's, uh, links and websites and read about them. Um, you can, you can kind of study up as, as well on there as to who they are, what they are. Um, you can, you can read who the members are. You can contact them. You can even read, uh, past meetings and notes, um, Past agendas and such—they have. I'm, I'm, I'm actually on it right now, and I can go back all the way to minutes for 1996, and I can read the minutes that occurred back then. So, uh, they are very open and honest and transparent, which is a good thing. And I encourage you, if you can and you're comfortable, join me. Go to one of those uh, July 29th or July 30th public hearings. If you've never done one before, it'll be a good learning experience, and then possibly also go to the uh september 15th hearing that's most likely when the recommendation will be read in and the nrc will make a decision whether uh things are going to get forwarded on to the governor as they stand or if there's going to be some discussion some amendments whatever it might be i don't know you don't know but i definitely do know that you should voice your opinion because it's important I think that's all I got for you guys. This is Ty. This has been another episode of the Indiana Deer News Podcast. And hopefully you've taken another step towards being more educated, more informed. And good luck this fall as we hit the woods and the fields in search for the white-tailed deer.